we conclude our remarks upon a ninth objection which has been raised in connection with the question, what do we know about the truthfulness of God from the Bible? We have seen that the New Testament uses the word justification in connection with salvation, whereas the common word throughout the Bible for salvation is that of the forgiveness of sins. Now, if justification is allowed to have its natural meaning, men would be saved on a basis of strict and absolute justice, whereas the idea of forgiveness is that of a relaxation of a claim and conveys the idea that strict and absolute justice is not being executed. So let us consider a number of scriptures as to what the true meaning of the concept of justification is as relating to salvation. In the 143rd Psalm and verse 2 we read, And enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. So the concept of justification is that of strict and absolute justice. And of course, since all men have gone astray and have committed sins in great number, there is no possibility whatever that they can be considered just or justified in their own state. In the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, and verse 11, we have a wonderful prophecy concerning our Lord Jesus Christ. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. So, if men are to be justified in any sense, they must be so through the merits and sacrifice and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word here used means to be right in a moral or forensic sense, to cleanse or clear self, to be or do justice, to be or turn to righteousness. As we proceed to the New Testament, we find that the verb to justify and the noun justification are used as nearly equivalent to the forgiveness of sins. The words are used almost exclusively by the Apostle Paul, and yet not at all uniformly by him in speaking about salvation. In some passages of even Paul's later epistles, the word forgiveness is used in referring to salvation. We have already alluded to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, for example, where the apostle speaks about the forgiveness of sins, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Again, we have referred to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 14, where similarly we read, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So, without any mention of justification here, the apostle describes salvation as a matter of forgiveness or relaxation by God 
of his righteous claims upon us. In describing his commission to the apostleship, Paul mentions the forgiveness of sins and sanctification, but not justification. We have this in Acts chapter 26, verse 18. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Here then we have no allusion to the word justification. In the great passage in Titus chapter 3 and verses 5 to 7, Paul speaks of the mercy of God in cleansing the heart and filling the heart with the Holy Spirit in salvation in great abundance and then uses the word justify. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Here then we see that men are saved according to the abundance of God's mercy through an inner cleansing of the heart and a filling of the Holy Spirit. And then the apostle goes on with an equivalent expression, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So to be cleansed in the heart and to be renewed of the Holy Ghost is a parallel expression to that of being justified. Let us read some of the passages relating to the mercy of God in cleansing the heart, where the idea of justification is set forth as an equivalent. Our Lord Jesus did so in the 18th chapter of Luke and verse 14 where he spoke the parable of the publican and the Pharisee. And the publican, of course, humbled himself and said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Then Jesus replied, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So the Lord Jesus used the word justify, and the word forgiveness on an equal basis. In Acts chapter 13, verses 38 and 39, we have the two terms used with an equivalency. In verse 39, we have forgiveness. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And in verse 39, and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. So here we have, in response to faith, the word justification used. And certainly the equivalent is very obvious. In the second chapter of Romans, verse 13, we have again asserted that the idea of justification has to do with being doers of the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. As we turn to the third chapter of Romans, 
and verse 20, we read, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. This emphasizes what we read in the Old Testament, that our lives are such and we are guilty to the extent that we can never be justified by a consideration of our own ways. But in the third chapter of Romans, verses 24 to 26, we have God's wonderful bestowals of mercy. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Notice how this uh, scripture parallels what we read in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, and Colossians chapter 1, verse 14. So evidently the apostle uses the word justify essentially as equivalent to the word forgive. Then he proceeds, whom God has sent for to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So the death of the Lord Jesus Christ becomes the medium upon which God can forgive our sins. And here again, then, Paul uses the word justify as akin to the forgiveness of sin. Verse 28, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Here's a conclusion, that justification is through faith, but that the justified life goes on to establish God's will for our conduct in fulfilling the moral requirements of the law. In the fifth chapter of Romans, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here justified is substituted for forgiveness in similar passages. In the eighth chapter of Romans, verse 4, we notice that the true Christian life proceeds to be a fulfillment of the moral law of God as a daily life. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. In the 33rd verse we read, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth, or it is God who is justifying. There is no mystery about God's great present acts of salvation. He is still justifying. Then in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11, here justification is placed after sanctification and is related to the operations of the Holy Spirit. And such were some of you, but you're washed, but you're sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. A most important passage on this subject appears in Romans chapter 4 and verse 25, who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Again in verse 10 we read, 
For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Here salvation is also related to the resurrected life of Christ, which is imparted to God's true children by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. What a profound revelation this is. But we see that we must conclude our remarks at our next meeting. May we pray, Our Heavenly Father, receive thanks for the universal gospel which has been given to the human race, that thou in thy great mercy art willing to forgive us of all our sins, if we will repent and turn from them unto thee and seek thy favor, and through faith in the death of Jesus be reconciled to thee. How we pray that many may so respond. In Jesus' name, amen.